Hey friends, I'm Ashley. Hey you guys! I'm Lainey. And this is Haunted Real Estate. So, I'm sure you've heard of the Alamo, or as we discovered in the last al- uh, episode that somebody calls it, a lame <laughs> Uh, Alamo City. Alamo City. <laughs> not happy about that. Okay, it's Alamo, which is not what we're covering today, but it's a location. Um, the Alamo is to one of the bloodiest battles in Texas history. The Alamo is a property I would love to cover in the near future, but that day is not today. Um, but this property that we're talking about is Alamo adjacent. Okay, it's on a part of that land where the battle took place. It is extremely symbolic to Texas. Um, It was a battle that was fought in Texas's independence from Mexico um, in 1836. The battle itself was a Mexican victory, um, but all the soldiers fighting for Texas, um, they died at the Alamo. Sam Houston, though, did not let Texans forget what had happened six, six weeks after the fall of the Alamo. Sam Houston and his men surprise attacked Santa Ana, shouting, remember the Alamo, as their battle cry, and was all said was said and done. Mexico was forced to recognize Texas as an independent state or country, and the boundary line became the Rio Grande. 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 So, part of the Alamo's property, 23 years after the battle, stood now the iconic property, the Manger Hotel. So, first... Shouting out to our family again, in case they skipped our first episode um, with Hotel Emma. Aunt Julie, who loves Texas history um, more than anybody that I know, and had walked me through the Manger Hotel herself. And shout out to cousins Brian and Alex and their wives Valerie and Jessica. I already said hey to you the first time. There you go. You only get it one day. (laughs) Uh, Love you guys and hope to not disappoint since we've been spending some time talking about your neck of the woods. So here we go. So according to the Manger Hotel website, it's the oldest operating hotel west of the Mississippi. Uh, you walk the first floor as a visitor, and you can really feel old San Antonio. You walked through it with us in November, Casey. I have a question. Okay. You said you walk through the first floor a visitor. Oh, is that mm-hmm. what do you like walk the out of? As? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we walk there um, with Fanta and um, I do kids. remember this actually. Mm-hmm. It's very Victorian. Very, they have a lot of the old furniture, which furniture we'll talk about. Suck. What? It was wow. Really, really uncomfortable. Oh, you're being serious. You didn't, what are you talking about? You didn't like sit and relax in the lobby because yes, they couldn't. Did. It was too uncomfortable. They did have lobby furniture, and it was okay, all... Okay, well, it wasn't meant for you to sit on. It was just meant for you to look and keep walking. No, it was <laughs> meant to sit because I sat there. It wasn't, like, roped off. I was walking around, so I don't know where you were sitting. That's we sat in the lobby. We didn't. We did. We didn't. All right, we're going to take a <laughs> break while they hash this one We're out. done after this. Okay. Casey, um, just... Uh, you I sat in some furniture <laughs> in some hotel. It's... <laughs> I don't know Somebody what you're talking about. Somebody walked up to you and said you can't sit on the furniture in our hotel. Yeah. I don't remember that. Can't okay. can sleep here. So the hotel was built in 1859. Uh, nine stories tall with over 200 room for guests. The vibe is mostly Victorian. And like we were just saying, some of the furniture is from uh, between the 1850s and 1870s. 
that's still in the lobby today for and your viewing or sitting pleasure. Apparently, I did not. I don't think I sat in any of it. But to be fair, asses have been sitting on those seats for 160 years. So let's give it credit that the furniture is still even standing. Okay. Lots of asses. Can you hear his eyes right now? He's just staring at me. Uh, So it all began when a 22-year-old German immigrant came to San Antonio in the 1840s named William Menger. He was five feet tall. Oh, my. Danny DeVito. (laughs) Just like Danny DeVito, who's actually shorter than five feet. That is very short. But he was five feet and full of ambition. Uh, He was a skilled... (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) All right, continue. I'm not getting Five through Five feet this. and full of ambition really cracked me up. Yeah. He was a skilled cooper. He made casks and barrels for beer and the wine industry. He was also very knowledgeable about brewing beer, like we spoke about in the Hotel Emma episode. Germans, I think, are just born knowing how to brew. You're giggly. I thought you were going to say with the knowledge of making cookies and trees is kind of what I... Cookies and trees? I thought you were going to say full of shit. <laughs> None of us are on the same page. We're not even in the same book. Like the Keebler elves, you know, making cookies oh, in trees. Oh, in trees. Yeah. Oh, I would Sorry. not have guessed. No, you're the that. one making short people jokes, okay? And sitting on antique furniture. So... He came here with very little money. Um, So he truly came here with the American dream. Um, He came to a boarding house run by Mary Baumschluter. She um, was also a German immigrant, in case her last name was not a dead giveaway. Uh, She came to San Antonio in 1846. She married Charles Gunther, where they ran a boarding house together. Now, initially, William Manger was a handyman for her boarding house. Um, Mary's husband, though, he died in 1850. Manger spent three years of his life in that boarding house, and Mary and him bonded because they both spoke German, and they were German immigrants, and I'm sure they had a lot in common, feeling kind of alone here in San Antonio, which is was at the time not... There were a lot of German immig- immigrants coming, but they were some of the earlier German immigrants, so it was mostly still Spanish speakers, um, Native Americans, not a bunch of German people, and then some English speakers. So they probably just felt at home with each other. So one day he asked Mary Gunther to marry him, and she did in 1851. So she was actually about nine years his senior. Uh, And how much taller than him? I don't know. Probably taller, though. If you see pictures of him, you would, because, because a lot of pictures of him are just him alone, it doesn't seem like he's a short guy. He doesn't hold himself as, oh, like, yeah, a short man. That's, but, what oh, That's what Tom Cruise does no. all the time. Yeah, he's confusing. Okay, but <laughs> they intentionally, like, make him look taller. They do that on purpose for him. So he was 24 and she was 33. So a little bit about Mary because she's kind Something of about Mary. She was kind of an extraordinary woman. So she was extremely hardworking. She was primarily a cook, but she was a woman that could manage her own boarding house after her husband passed away. She put in a lot of the work, the time, the effort. She worked just as hard as her first husband and as hard as William. Um, She was 28 years old when she came here from Germany. Her and her mother came to San Antonio on a six-month journey across the Atlantic on a timber ship. I cannot imagine what it was like to travel back then. Right? I have some notes here where I'm going to talk about that because it really freaks me out listening to people because they weren't even on a ship with other people traveling here. 
it was like on a timber ship to just ship materials. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Lonely, scary. Extremely lonely. And probably her and her mother. Every day. Yeah. Her and her mother and a bunch of men. So. That sounds. (laughs) And I feel guilty because like I complain about a 16 hour plane ride, but I feel like anybody that lived before the 1920s probably like look at me like you're a. You're soft. You're softy. Yeah. Spoiled. Exactly. 16-hour play now. Three-ply. I don't, I don't use three-ply. Yeah, brain, being trapped at sea alone, though, that freaks me out. For that, that freaks me out because... So they arrived at the port of Galveston after a long journey and had to spend 10 days waiting for the tides to rise so they could cross the sandbars. So oh, they got here, and then they had to just stare at the land for 10 days. The definition of so close but so far. So another sidebar... Sand, or sandbar. Sandbar. A sandbar real quick. Really freaks me out because do you ever think about the fact that sandbars kind of trap like large fish, sharks, whatever, oh. when the tide gets low and so they might be stuck on the swimming side of things and not on the other side? Yeah. That really, that really freaks me out. And I say that as a shark admirer, but I'm not a person who wants to be swimming with the sharks. Not many are. I think that's a normal way to feel. I mean, I saw 45 meters down. 46. 47. They were a whole two meters down more than you guys. (laughs) That movie freaked me out. Okay. 45 meters down was the sci-fi remake. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's not for me. Sandbars actually kind of freaked me out because of that, but... So from Galveston, they took a small boat up Buffalo Bayou to Houston, where they waited for a wagon being pulled by oxen to take them to San Antonio. I would just never go anywhere. This is so exhausting I, to me. No, I know. I don't like this. So from Houston to San Antonio, it took six weeks in wagons before they arrived, which, dang. Because six months, and six, six, 10 days and six weeks. And six months. Ship sailed, yes. made it to Galveston, then they wait 10 days for the tide, and then six weeks to get to Houston to San Antonio. I hope that mother-daughter duo just really got along with each other. Seriously. Yeah. Just so you know, from, like, the Houston area, it takes about four hours drive to get to San Antonio. So, not six weeks. It feels like six weeks. At the time, though, there, of course, were not highways, so they had to cross through heavily wooded areas, torrential rains, flooded rivers and streams. They had a rough journey, so by the time these women made it to San Antonio, they were tough as nails on the inside. But I didn't even really even talk about the attack from the Native Americans that they had along the way, in addition to several people coming down with a variety of illnesses along the way, because, you know, new land. Mm-hmm. New illnesses. So by the time they reached San Antonio, unfortunately, Mary's mother had a high fever and did die shortly after they arrived. Oh, no. Yeah, so the trip pretty much killed her. Mary also ended up getting the flu. I'm not sure if her mother also had the flu because it just said she got a high fever and then she ended up dying. Um, but Mary did have the flu and she did recover. Uh, Mary's mother ended up being buried in an unmarked grave. So Mary never knew where her mother actually was buried. So she was very much alone by the time she ended up settling in San Antonio, where, like I said, there were not a lot of German speakers. There were some English speakers, but primarily Native people to her. It was Spanish speakers and Native Americans. Um, On top of feeling alone, she was robbed of her money. Damn, girl. Yeah. so, So bad for her. 
Mary, Mary's kind of a badass. I mean, she, I mean, she survives the entire tale. She dies of, you know, natural causes. Um, she lives a full life, but she ended up marrying Emil Gunther, another German immigrant who died while she was pregnant with her first child. Wait, is this before? Yeah. No. When she came here to she San Antonio. She Gunther and then she married Danny William. DeVito. Yes. Okay. William. Yes. William Menger. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. But he died while they were pregnant with their first child and in the baby's first year of life. The baby also My died. Gosh. So she had it rough. Her husband, though, luckily did leave her some money. Um, I don't know how much money, but she was able to continue running her boarding house, continue surviving and thriving. And then William Manger was there as a boarder, and then they ended up getting married. That is how Mary came to be the badass that she was, because she does outlive William Manger. Wow. Um, but yeah, a journey here, like coming to a whole other country that's across the Atlantic or across the Pacific or wherever you're having to go. I cannot imagine that. I mean, and everything is new. Even getting on, being on a boat, being on the ocean, that's new. Like we're new, every, everything is. And then everyone dies. Yeah. And she's robbed. Yeah. Get sick. You have to know that you're going to be coming here and there's a good chance you're going to get sick. You're going to get robbed. You might die in a bad storm on the way here. Um, get an attack. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of things there that I'm not saying you don't have to worry about today, but um, you have to get vaccinated to go into a lot of countries mm-hmm. in addition to maybe you'll get attacked depending on where you're going. But otherwise, like we don't worry about the same illnesses and all that stuff that and we had to. Our funds are usually digital. Uh, they're carrying everything they have with them usually. Yeah, exactly. That's all her belongings. Like she was not going back to Germany to go live. So William Anger started a brewery, which became pretty popular around this time in Texas. And Germans were settling into so many parts of Texas. And thankfully, they brought their influence with them. Like my brother-in-law says, I don't care where you come from. Just bring your cookbook. And wait, who says that? I was about to say. Oh. I couldn't agree more. Shout out Brandon. Who the heck is Brandon? Brandon is our brother-in-law, his sister Jamie's husband. Oh. Not your brother-in-law, not your side of the family. Well, he didn't even make a face like he knew who he was. I knew who he was. I know. I just didn't remember who said it. You're just having a blank face, so it looked like. That's just his face. You're not like, I'm afraid to move. Oh, way to go. That's why he's not talking. He doesn't want to move. He told me last night how much I psychologically mess him up. Yeah. (sighs) Do you want to get into this now? No, we'll save so, it for later. Guys, we are here. This is a safe space. I didn't bring it up. Feel free to tell me about your problems. When did this begin? <laughs> we actually, Lainey and I had family that started a brewery within the same general time period, but the story did not end the same, unfortunately. But I do like beer. But we do like beer, yes. So Manger's Brewery was started with a friend of his, a brewmaster named Charles Deegan. Charles Deegan. I was going to say. Charles. I thought it was a name. It's one of those, like, I felt like I said it right, and then my ears heard it. We're like, no, that's not how you say that at all. Or possibly, or maybe he was just called this Carl Deegan. Um, different sources say different things. Wait, it's Charles or Carl? Yeah. I'm saying maybe Charles. Charles or Charles. So this was the first brewery, brewery in Texas. Stop it. Now, you got a lot of pressure on me. Uh, He had the hops and the malt shipped from New York. He did try selling kegs of beer, but most people don't afford kegs. Probably the same today. We don't just go out and buy kegs. um, I do every Friday. Okay. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Could you imagine if if I bought one for myself? No. I like a whole setup. Luckily, (laughs) you can also buy, like, 
<laughs> mini kegs. <laughs> mini kegs. So that would not be nearly as bad. Hey guys, I just tapped the keg. You want a beer? <laughs> yeah. It's just me and Maxine watching Frasier. No. No, no, no. Do they know that's your dog? Yeah. Well, do you know it's my dog? <laughs> that's been her dog that's the whole time. That's my lesbian lover. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that could be an easy misunderstanding there. <laughs> so he decided it made more sense to open up a tavern so people could buy a beer at a time rather than an entire keg. Manger's beer, though, was known to be very strong. The brew was so strong that people often were passing out under the tables <laughs> on, and on the benches of the brewery. So together, Mary and William decided, let's expand the boarding house and actually make a hotel so that people could come to the tavern, they can drink, and then they can have a place to stay if they would like to so they're not sleeping on benches and stuff because this just doesn't look good for business, you guys. So that is where we get Manger Hotel. They wanted a place where guests could sleep it off. Um, At the time, it was considered a pretty rough frontier, uh, but they actually decided to build a nice hotel. Like they wanted something nice, not just a boarding house or like a hostel or something like that. I wouldn't think that that would be a great investment since that was still a pretty rough frontier because... That's a different clientele, but obviously it stood the test of time, so what do I know? I would imagine if a lot of people are coming in from Germany and any other countries, maybe they would stay in a hotel while they're building their homes. Yeah, it's just still early. I mean, it's still like almost 35 years between before Hotel Emma, you know, so it's like, I don't know, that was pretty risky, but... They had beer. They had beer. People, You know what? People come for the right booze, so... Quick question, did the boarding house become the hotel, or did is that an additional structure? It was next to the hotel. I, do, I think the boarding house was next to where the current hotel is today. Got it. Um, I'm not quite positive, but I don't think, I think that they've, like, moved the boarding house over to that side. Um, so they brought in architect John Fries, who was also a German immigrant. Kind of nepotism there, if that's nepotismish. No? I'm- what do you call that? I just, I assume nepotism was family, family, but but I don't know. Are you saying also German immigrant and that's nepotism because everyone's German? What are you saying? They they keep, everyone here is a German immigrant pretty much that I talk about. I'm like, also a German immigrant. And this person is like, they work with them because they're German or something. Okay. Not nepotism, but. It's the comfort of knowing you're from the same place. Yeah. Maybe it's just a language thing because I don't know how much English Mary or William spoke. And they're, they, they already have something in common. Yeah. John Fries was a pretty important person to um, San Antonio. He was responsible for initially restoring the Alamo and actually saved it from being demolished because they fully planned on demolishing the hotel, uh, the hotel, the Alamo, the Alamo. Well, he sounds like a badass. Yeah. So now that is there as a historical (laughs) marker. Thank you. Um, John Fries, who gave two craps to try and save that. Uh, so the hotel started out as two stories with 50 rooms, but it was more successfully than initially planned. So Manger began planning the addition with another story and another 40 rooms, which was completed by February 1st, 1859. Also, fun fact, an underground tunnel ran from the brewery to the hotel. Um, they kept their beer underground, surrounded uh, by three feet of stone, so they could keep their beer cool. Nice. I had to gather, hold on, it was two stories, they added a third, and then they added an additional six, ultimately. Yeah, they do keep adding on to it. Impressive. And they extend wings, too. So, yes. You can do that. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> the Galvez did that. I'm just kidding. Sorry. The White House did that. As if. <laughs> 
So Menger also purchased San Antonio's first fire engine since the city didn't have one. Um, he did this after having witnessed a horrible fire in New York. So he actually spent $4,000 back then, which would be over $80,000 today in 2023. Um, and he did this without expecting the city to reimburse him. So he did that on his own volition. Um, did he introduce the fire department to this area for the first Basically, time? he does become the fire chief. Wow. Yeah. They named the fire engine. Jarls. The Alamo. <laughs> Because everything uh, in San Antonio is named after the Alamo. It was going to be called the Little Manger. <laughs> no, it was named the Alamo. Mm. William Manger, like I've just said, was also named Chief of the Fire Department because he basically created the fire department, which he realized was very important because a fire can demolish everything in its path. I feel like that's so innovative. I would really love to learn the history of when they created fire. The- <laughs> When did man make fire? <laughs> no, it's just like a, the system to put out fires. I mean, I'm sure before you would go to a well and put out a bucket of water, but you didn't have a designated team to come when they were called, and a truck, yeah. and a hose, and yeah. fire hydrants. It was like buckets and wagons, I'm sure, that they just brought with water and they tried their best. But Just everyone from Jimmy John's brought a pail. I'm pretty sure what would happen is if your neighbor's house caught on fire, you're running into your house to grab your important belongings and running yeah. out because you so pretty much know it's coming to you next. Yeah. So unfortunately, opening in 1859 was only a couple of years before the start of the Civil War. So business did take a turn because fewer people are traveling through for anything other than war. What What brings you to town? War. War. (laughs) Uh, It's true. So they did support the war effort and opened its doors as more of a hospital for wounded or even the sick. So it did act as a sort of hospital there. So there have definitely been a lot of people that have passed away inside the walls of the Manger. One of the well-known Confederate soldiers was Robert E. Lee, who ended up the overall commander of the Confederate Army. Um, He actually stayed at the Manger more than once. And died there? No, but he is a ghost there. Wait, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. He supposedly rode in the lobby on his horse named Traveler. Uh, He and his horse were both registered guests, according to the... Register log. He rode through what the lobby. Right? I know, right? Register my horse. <laughs> he rides through. He probably like knocks over old ladies, too. Sorry about that. It's Imagine like, a big like, horse shit right in our lobby. And we just watched. I've arrived. <laughs> Casey and I just watched True Lies, too, and there's that scene where he gets Arnold Schwarzenegger riding the horse, and he gets the horse <laughs> the on the elevator. Sorry. And, and the horse's tail, like, whacks a woman on the elevator. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. So, not surprising, several of the hauntings of the manger are of Confederate soldiers. That's scary. Another guest, but not known to reside there in the afterlife of the manger, was also Sam Houston. 1867, uh, William and Mary, I don't know how long it took them, but they decided to take a trip to Germany and Paris. But now that you know how long it takes to make these trips, they were probably gone for a couple of years before they came back. I'm sure since they're more established, there's faster ways than more money you have. Well, there's not planes I mean, I know and cars. I, yeah, I know you still probably have that six-month journey, but maybe it's better. Faster. It's, faster. it's probably faster. They're probably not taking timber ships. Yeah, not on a timber so. ship. Yeah. It's probably like a month. So they purchased a 
large amount of their furniture while they were in Germany and Paris, and that is what um, Casey sat on. Casey sat on. That's what a lot of that's what a lot of the furniture is in the hotel lobby today. That's really neat. Um, okay, I'm going to go back to say this was not roped off. It was right in the lobby. I didn't say that. Lainey said roped off. Hey, but you said I wasn't off. supposed to sit on it. It was furniture. I don't even remember you sitting on it because I remember actively walking through the hotel and walking out. I don't remember at any point sitting. So I don't know what you're talking about, but maybe you did that. I don't. I guarantee There was more than I just sat. me and you there, so I wasn't paying like full attention to you. I you, sat. You probably okay. sat with all the other husbands whose wives were fast walking through the hotel. <laughs> No, I mean maybe you sat there, but there wasn't like a line of husbands sitting there. That's oh. all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. <laughs> Holding no, their wives' purses. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was not happening. Know, but maybe Casey sat down. I wasn't like paying attention. Um, what's kind of cool about the hotel there, it uh, taboo, hotel, is that women came there to what? deliver babies. So they would go there because they wanted because this is these are the days before hospitals. So they wanted comfortable places to be. Maybe their house wasn't considered comfortable. And so they were making a reservation at the hospital to deliver their babies. Their midwives would meet them there. And the mamas were in a comfortable space to deliver their newborns. So while, yes, there were deaths at the hotel, but there were also many births. I just um, can't picture Robert E. Lee coming in on a horse to the same place a bunch of women are coming to give birth. It's the 1860s, man. Okay. Times were crazy. So crazy, math. So crazy. And included in one of those births was one of the Manger babies um, was born in the hotel. So the whole circle of life happens at the Manger. The Manger also helped start a hospital nearby when there was a major cholera outbreak in 1869. So the Catholic bishop wrote to the nuns in France to come and assist with the outbreak. They came probably six months later. Um, and the Manger donated a lot of money and William and many others, the Mangers donated money, but William got others to also donate a good amount of money. He basically passed the hat, and everybody was donating money to start a hospital, which became... The Alamo Hospital. The, no, it's a, the Santa Rosa Medical Center, okay. um, which is one of the largest Catholic hospitals today. Wow. Manger himself ended up dying in 1871, William Manger, at the age of 44 at the hotel... Um, he became very ill, but we don't know what illness he actually succumbed to. Um, he was highly respected and loved by the community. Mary Manger, I mean, it was a massive funeral. Uh, Mary Manger and William Jr., who was only 19 at the time, took over management at the hotel. Um, Post-Civil War, during Reconstruction, railroads were built, giving people the ability to travel much more easily and... The Manger Hotel became the best-known and very popular hotel in all of the Southwest. People loved the food, which was served in the Colonial Dining Room, which offered wild game. Today, even, they had mango ice cream, which was one of Mary Manger's recipes. It is a very famous recipe that they are known for. It's weird to think of Texas being the Southwest of the United States. I know. I'm like, it's the South Middle. (laughs) (laughs) South Central. We are not the West. Yeah, I don't think of us as the West, but... In, in the, I guess at that time we were... You're but. thinking, yeah, like 13 colonies and stuff where anything west of the Mississippi is the West, but like Mississippi is East. You know, it's like pretty far East. It's not like it's a middle yeah. of the... It's not splitting U.S. in half. Our map looked very different back then. It did. So it is confusing because we still say the West, but I'm like, okay, West of the Mississippi, but like we're not West. 
I could go for some mango Love ice me. cream. Yeah, mango ice cream's good. Another one of the famous dishes is the snapper soup, which actually comes from the San, um, turtles in the San Antonio River. What's so funny? Snapper soup sounds so freaking gross. What? We had that in New Orleans. You know Likey? No. Oh, okay. Quite a declaration. I don't eat turtles. Okay. I like turtles. I like turtles. Mary Manger was a very popular chef of her day. Um, She cooked most of the food at the hotel. Um, While she was running the hotel, um, she would buy the best beef, chicken, fresh butter, eggs. Um, She wrote the menu herself. Um, Today, many Mary's recipes were still used today. A lot of the same recipes are used that Mary made herself. You really botched up that sentence. I did. I know. (laughs) I felt like I wrote it weird, but then I said it other different than how I wrote it. So I don't know. And kind of ahead of their time. Um, the Mangers had installed mail chutes on each floor of the hotel so that guests could actually drop their mail in um, and it would be delivered for them and they could keep correspondence. So that doesn't seem like high-speed internet type stuff today, but that was pretty ahead of their time back then. Very innovative technology. Another fancy amenity that the hotel offered was... Amenity? Oh, I heard amenity. Sorry. That the hotel offered was to gentlemen that wanted to dine at the hotel. So they would, they actually strapped benches to wagons and would go pick up these men and bring them back to the hotel so that they could come and have a nice dinner. Against their will? Yeah. Against their, they tie them down. Yes. They go find men. (laughs) No, 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 no. So it was like a, a chauffeur courtesy yes. drop off, like, yeah. like how, hotels have. How do they, without any communication, how do you just like go to this spot? You maybe yell, they made a reservation. You yeah, yell maybe they had a mail chute. Call me a wagon. But if you're in the hotel, why would you need a wagon? But to, it's to not just for guests. It's they would also just bring people there for food, just I know, to come but eat. Was like how do how did they go find these people? Is all I'm saying. I don't know. Maybe they it's had like a, a Manger stop. Hotel wa- yeah, wagon and they would just pick up some men and they would just go to lunch. Maybe there was like a meeting spot that you would be there at a certain time. I don't know. The original bus stop. All I saw was that they strapped <laughs> the benches to wagons and they would go pick up men for lunch. What about the ladies? They don't get a seat on the Women wagon? don't eat lunch. <laughs> <laughs> they get day-old snapper soup. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there was an incident on March 28, 1876. A woman, now ghost, Sally White, one of the most famous ghosts of the Manger Hotel, she was a chambermaid, um, and she was brutally murdered. Um, from the San Antonio Daily Express, they ran this article the following day. Now, I want you to be mindful that this is an article from 1876. So the language used is both not current and not mine. Okay? Okay. I'm offended already. Great. Trigger warning. So, another outrage, malicious and probably fatal shooting of a Negro woman by her crazed husband. The peaceful neighborhood to the rear of the Manger Hotel was yesterday morning suddenly disturbed by pistol shots, succeeding by the shrill shrieks of a female. A Negro by the name of Henry Wheeler was murdering his wife. The tale runs thus. Wheeler and his wife have been very quarrelsome for some time and complaints of abuse from her husband have been carried to the recorder's court where the offenders, the offender have met justice. So, side note, she had reported the fact that he had been abusive to her and she was terrified of him. Um, it's unfortunate that it still ended up coming to murder. Yeah. 
Monday evening, Wheeler seemed to be very angry about something, and finding that his wife was absent from home, proceeded to search for her in the surrounding neighborhood. He was successful in his search, and immediately upon meeting her, began to abuse her to the extent of his calumnious capacity. On returning to their dwelling, Wheeler made the open and bold declaration that he would murder her. Storming and swearing all the while, the woman could bear his threats and abuse no longer, and sought the protection of the police. The house was searched, but no arms were found. But the woman still said, he will kill me if I stay here tonight. Oh my gosh, this is horrible. Finally, arrangements were made for her to spend the night at the recorder's office, where she went in peace and slept until the morning, till yesterday morning, undisturbed. She awoke within the hours of six and seven and proceeded to go home. Arriving near the dwelling, she was again met by her husband, who, was a, who with a six-shooter in hand, proceeded to carry out his determined work of her death. Wow. He seized her. He fired the ball, wounding her severely in the bowels. She ran, and after her he went, firing two shots and felling the partner of his bosom on the south side of the Manger Brewery. The act from beginning to end is a most revolting one. The man being actuated by pure malice, afterthought, making him, it would seem, if a woman dies, subject to the highest punishment the criminal offender has to bear. Um, and then they came out with an article a couple days later. Um, the Negro woman, Sally White, who was shot by her husband Tuesday morning, died yesterday at 9 a.m. This places the criminal in a very dangerous position. So she was technically shot on hotel property because um, it was between the brewery and the hotel, which was still owned by the Mangers. Um, she survived for two days but succumbed to her her injuries, and according to the ledgers of the hotel, they actually paid for her funeral. Um, it was $25 for her coffin and $7 for her burial, costing $32. Today... That's a bargain. Yeah, sure is. Continue. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Today, Sally's still performing her duties and can be seen cleaning in the Victorian wing of the hotel. Um, many people have reported seeing her in a long gray skirt with a bandana around her forehead, which was the uniform of her day. She is seen either cleaning or walking down the hallway with towels in hand. And all I have to say about that is take a break, Sally. You don't need to keep working in the afterlife, okay? You've more than earned it. I just, I know they attempted to help by giving her a place to sleep, but they could have done so much more to save her. That guy was, like, clearly a psycho. Yeah. But, I and I think we've talked about this many times before. I mean, you can complain all you want about the what-ifs that somebody does, but and those time, aren't crimes until they do it. Women were more like men's property. Like, get they a were. hold of your woman and make right. her shut up. Their relationship was a little bit more unique. Um, I mean, it was, it was technically her husband, but they were common law, so... I don't know how that was probably still recognized, though, as husband-wife. But it points out in a different article that they were common-law married. Um, in 1881, the hotel was purchased by Major John Herman Campman, a German immigrant, for $110,000. And most of the furnishings were purchased for $8,500. Also, his eyebrows are a can't miss. A lot of the information from today comes from the history and mystery of the Manger Hotel by, do you think this is a dosha? Dosha. Dosha Schultz-Williams. Um, she wrote this book. Um, she wrote a couple other books pertaining to San Antonio. So she loves the city of San Antonio. 
So Campman was a contractor who helped build the hotel and he helped do the expansions. Um, he considered the Manger Hotel his best work. On July 3rd, 1887, uh, Mary Manger passed away at the age of 69. After Campman took ownership, a new bar was installed, which was the replica of the tap room in the House of Lords in London. As some of the managers have said, a good hotel has to have a great bar. When Campman took over, it was his goal to make sure that there was an elegant bar that reflected uh, the rest of the hotel. It was a solid cherry bar that um, also had cherry paneled ceilings. So it was very old school looking, very beautiful. Um, in the bar, there was also French mirrors, which really classed up the place. Um, the addition was added in 1887 with two entrances, one from the hotel lobby and one from the courtyard. No expense was spared. In 1887, he spent $60,000. Dang. They had imported crystal, fine wines, um, fancy fabrics, and of course, like all the wood and stuff that they used was all like hand-carved and gorgeous. Um, they had specialty drinks, including hot toddies in the winter. Um, during lunchtime, a drink would come with a light lunch. I like how a lunch comes with the drink, not yeah, vice versa. I like that, too. I don't want a bunch of drunks. <laughs> That's true. That might have been part of the plan. During Prohibition, the bar did have to shut down, of course. Um, but it was kind of interesting because the staff made sure to safely store everything because they were absolutely positive that Prohibition was temporary. How long did the Prohibition last? It was right around 10 years. Damn. I mean, that is a long time, but like in the span of history, well, it's a very short time. Sorry, why I say that because we kind of weirdly compared to the pandemic to Prohibition. And like, I just can't imagine the pandemic taking 10 years. Uh, right, and like that... Two years felt like the longest. I was two joking years. about talking to myself or talking to my my man back there on Zoom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would actually be talking to myself in ten years, just like oh yeah, pulling ten, my yeah. hair. Oh, dark times, man. I like it. Playing with your eyebrows, uh, raking them, raking them. Lainey, <laughs> <laughs> you under there? <laughs> I'm just, oh, God. <laughs> I'm just breaking my eyebrows over here. <laughs> Want to see a, a, a French braid? The Manger Hotel was a hot spot for military men. It always had been. And so another famous guest was the Rough Rider, Teddy Roosevelt. Rough Rider. My man. Uh, he came to visit San Antonio and stayed at the Manger Hotel. April 1892 was the first time that he came. In case you were unfamiliar with um, Teddy Roosevelt, he was a military guy. He was known as a Rough Rider in the Spanish-American War. Roosevelt had advocated for Cuba's independence from Spain. He was assistant secretary of the Navy and then created his volunteer regiment. The most famous volunteer regiment was the Rough Riders. Um, he gave a lot of the leadership role to Leonard Wood, who was also a guest at the Manger Hotel. So the group that Roosevelt formed were hunters, cowboys, Native Americans, and some of his athletic pals. So a real hodgepodge. He was the namesake of the teddy bear. Yes. That is also true. I like his inclusion and diversity. Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting guy. Very fascinating, actually. So he did most of that recruiting at the Manger Hotel Bar in 1898 um, before they went off to fight the Spanish. So Wood set up his recruiting table on the patio next to the Manger Bar. So what would happen is, you know, cowboys, Native Americans, hunters, whatever, 
um, would come and have a drink with Teddy Roosevelt. And after tossing back a few, they would find themselves sobering up on their way to military camp. Oh, that really, really sucks. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because you think it could happen to you? <laughs> I just can't. I can't imagine being like, yeah, man, like, let's go to war. Let's kick some ass. And then you're sobering up and realizing your decision. Like, oh, shit. Did I just say bye to my family? <laughs> So, unlike the visual you may have of a person that's in the military, um, Roosevelt really only cared about three things. Can you ride a horse? Can you shoot while riding a horse? Or can you shoot? And do you know how to take orders? Those were the qualifications it took to be a rough rider, which is probably partly where rough riders came in because they were not like... Disciplined. Thank you. I was like, what's the word? Yes, disciplined military men. That's not what they're known for. I was hoping you would say the only three things he cares about is bears. Beats. Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the Rough Riders were basically born in the Manger Hotel, which I think is super awesome. So they sat in that replica tap room bar, which became even more famous after that and very famous now. So once the war was coming to a close, just to kind of end out the Spanish-American War here, once the war came to a close, the Treaty of Paris was signed and the U.S. had acquired Guam, Puerto Rico, the Philippines. Philippines no longer under U.S. jurisdiction. Um, They were granted independence after World War II. So after the Spanish-American War, Roosevelt pretty quickly went into politics, um, and he became vice president to William McKinley, who was assassinated, and Roosevelt was president by 1905. So this all happened in less than 10 years from Manger Hotel, Rough Riders, Spanish-American War, vice president, president of the United States. What a life. Yep. Wasn't he a boxer, too? I'm sorry. He became president in earlier 1900s. Yes, he was a boxer. He was a bare knuckle he had boxer. A, he had a boxing ring in the White House. Um, in 1905, the Rough Riders had a reunion at the Manger Bar. Oh, Did he box a bear? Is that what you said? Me? You just said, wasn't he a boxer, he and a... you just said a bare-knuckled boxer, I and then like, you just I also like said, did he fight a bear? I think he boxed a bear. I don't oh. know about that. I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I just don't know don't how know. I feel about that. Like That's stupid on his part, and also poor bear. Like. Can I research it? Oh, I was like, it's Stop not tapping my off. phone. <laughs> it's on. Do not disturb. So we know that Teddy Vell, Teddy Vell, Teddy Roosevelt also went on to become president. Other presidents, several presidents, have been guests at the Manger Hotel, including Ulysses S. Grant, Benjamin Harrison, who came for a visit, and due to his late train, he missed his own parade that was held in his honor. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, you arrive the next day, and you're like, yeah, no. The balloons are already deflated on the ground. The streamers have It's like with Frasier, Miss Frasier Crane Day. Yeah. <laughs> How many times are we going to bring up Frasier in this episode? Sorry. Woodrow Wilson visited before he was president. It was noted that he was a very quiet guy, which honestly, I believe. Woodrow just sounds like a, a quiet guy. Yeah, he always looked like he would have been a very quiet guy. Um, Dwight Eisenhower, and FYI, remember Eisenhower was a World War II commander, and he was also born in Texas. He was stationed in Texas twice. Um, he visited the Manger multiple times, and he even temporarily lived there with his wife, Mamie, until their housing was available at Fort Sam Houston. He came back to the Ma- uh, Manger again in 1951 after he was elected president, 
And before it became common practice, he actually required that the staff turn have turned down service in his room each night. Um, Bill Clinton also stayed at the Manger. In fact, Bill Clinton was so in love with that famous mango ice cream that he had 40 gallons of it shipped back to the White House in 1993 for his inauguration celebration. Wow. There's even a picture of him eating the ice cream in the hotel. With Monica? No. Oh. Monica um, and mangoes, baby. Ew. <laughs> Wait, is this Clinton? Yes. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Did he box a bear? No. But uh, I did bear. say in 1949, a man boxed a bear, period. The bear won. <laughs> Uh, no, do I like that? Just seems like, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, okay. I, I never heard that before. I mean, we know the teddy bear story with him, but um, not because he boxed one. Uh, another famous guest was another military man, George Patton, was another one of the hotel guests. Again, if you're not familiar with him, he was one of the major players in World War II, and as Britannica puts it. History generally agrees that Patton was not only one of the greatest military leaders that the United States ever produced, but also one of the most complex and, I put contradictory, but I thought it was controversial. I think that was supposed to be controversial, not contradictory. What made him controversial? I don't know everything about Patton. I know he was very outspoken against the President of the United States, which was Truman at the time, and it was Truman that ended up firing him. Mm. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs of... I got gotcha. you. War history is not my favorite. Yeah, no, I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. No. What brings you to town? <laughs> War. War. Uh, Richard King was also a guest. Lainey, you should remember Richard King from King Ranch that we passed through every time we went to South Padre Island. It's massive. There's, at the time at least, there were like no gas Judge. stations. Judge. Judge. No gas stations driving through. So this ranch is in Kingsville, Texas. Um, He spent a lot of time as a riverboat captain on the Rio Grande, which, as we said before, divides Texas and Mexico. Wait, sorry. King Ranch. Is that the same that's on the Ford trucks? Is that King Ranch? They're related. Oh, it's probably named after but is that something what, over is that there. What those are I can almost yeah. Oh yeah, the King Ranch trucks. Yeah, yeah. Really nice they have to be that. related to it's that. The King Ranch cow leather that yeah. they use. Got it. Oh okay. well, then that's where the cattle comes from. Yep. Yeah. So Rio Grande divides Texas and Me- Mexico, which is how he ended up um, in that southern part of Texas. So it's not far from Mexico at all, and he ended up purchasing a buttload of land. Um, he purchased in the 1800s. Over 614,000 acres of land in 60 different land deals. And so that's how King Ranch came to be so big. Don't you just wish you could travel back in time and buy a bunch of land? Yes. Like trade beans for land and be a billionaire? Yeah. It's like those memes that are like, man, I was just farting around in third grade when I should have been buying property. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, you were. It's true. He was integral in establishing the ranching industry. So, he too is one of the ghosts at the Manger Hotel. He's a very popular ghost at the Manger, actually one of the most famous. He resides in room 2052, which is actually the King Ranch suite. He that This was his personal suite at the hotel. Like, that's how often he visited. Um, his doctor had told him that his days were numbered um, sometime in the mid-1880s. 
Uh, so he spent his remaining days in his suite at the Manger Hotel where he did die. Um, so the funeral was held in the parlor of the Manger Hotel on April 15th, 1885. Today, room 2052 is the most requested room in the hotel. Um, he can be seen going into rooms and going right through the walls um, because where he's most often seen walking through the walls, there actually was a door there. Um, there's no longer a door there. Now it just looks like a wall. I would love to see a ghost walk through the wall. No, you wouldn't. I feel like I would. Like the, the curtains moving scare me. The the touching or the coldness, that scares me. I think seeing a ghost would scare me. But if I just saw a person walk through the wall, I think I would be more like... I think you romanticize that. You wow. would freak out. I feel like there'd be an outline of you. Like through the door. I frame. would be through the wall. You know what I think of? <laughs> yeah. The very first ghost that you see on Ghostbusters, like a sweet librarian apparition, and then she's like, If I saw that ugly bitch, I would be. She was dead. a sweet old lady. Not but, when she screamed. No, not when but she they screamed. Were being That's loud what I'm in saying. The library. Yeah. So he, so um, Richard King is often seen in his broad brimmed hat and dark suit. Um, so a couple other noteworthy people, and there are a ton. I've just put a few here. Um, Sean Connery, Bob Hope, John Wayne, Babe Ruth, Joan Crawford, and San Antonio is actually her hometown. She is the one that Mommy Dearest is um, from, uh, done after. Uh, Mae West, and many, many more people have stayed there. So in the 1940s, actually, the Moody's purchased the Manger Hotel, um, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You're really I, tying up all these Texas stories together. I know. I really am. Um, which y'all may remember when we talked about the Galvez, the Moody's, love history. So when the hotel was struggling during the Great Depression and World War II, uh, they came and they purchased it. The Moody's are a real treasure. And thankfully, they have saved, restored, and preserved many properties that could easily have been long forgotten by now. And I know people love new, but the whole reason I love this podcast is because we love history. And I like that I can still stand in a place where all these legends and stories stood. Um, And the fact that we get to stand inside the walls of a building that held these memories that we're talking about right now. And like we can go and like almost share in those moments, I think is really awesome. So we're incredibly lucky that the people like the Moody's, people like the Moody's have invested their money and energy into the upkeep to keep that history for us. So thank you for that. Here's a fun little anecdote, which um, I did. I found it on one site and then I couldn't find it anywhere else. And then I did find it in the book, History and Mystery of the Manger Hotel. So the hotel had an alligator named Old Bill that they kept on the property for decades. That's it. You like Old Bill? (laughs) (laughs) Um, The story goes that a man was staying at the hotel in the late 1800s and he was short on cash so he couldn't pay the full bar bill which apparently was quite large. The bartender thought that this alligator was pretty cool, so he told the man that he could leave the alligator in lieu of cash. And it's like his pet. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sure, you could have my dog. That's, that's terrible. Also, how much did that man drink? Right? So they named the alligator Bill because he came to be since a bill couldn't get paid. So that's why oh, he was named Bill. Funny. Um, So for a little while, Old Bill primarily stayed in a bathtub in the dining room. But as time went by, the alligator got more aggressive and potentially a liability for the hotel. So they had to relocate him to the tropical patio. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) A liability. Okay. 
They kind of grow up to, you know, want to eat meat. You keep it in a tub. Well, it's probably, yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I don't think they like, I don't know how far alligators travel, like, but I don't think they like to stay stationary. No, um, and that's, not forever, that's not way probably. too confined. That's yeah. abuse and sad. Yeah, so they relocated him to the tropical patio where he uh, spent the remaining 50 years of his life. Um, it became tradition for the bellboys to have to go clean old Bill. Um, so the managers would say, hey. <laughs> I would quit. Yeah. the bell- <laughs> Never mind. Just- the managers would tell the new bellboys, hey, this is a tradition. All new bellboys have to go clean the alligator. And so they were always freaked out. They would go out there like ready to clean him, but super freaked out. And then the managers would tell them that it was a joke because, seriously, they could have lost a limb from Old Bill because he was snappy. After a while, they thought Old Bill was lonely, so they got him an alligator friend named Oscar. Who he ate. Not quite. Uh, It turns out Old Bill kind of hated Oscar, though, so there was aggression towards one another. Um, The hotel ended up having to separate them with a fence. Um, so they stayed on either side of the fence. But after 15 years... Stared at each other for 15 years? like Old Bill day. did. Old Bill was plotting. Uh, Bill, one day, decided he couldn't stand looking at Oscar anymore, even if it was on the other side of the fence. So he said, fook it. He went through the fence to fight Oscar. Um, guests literally came running out in their PJs, because this was like middle of the night. It was a lot of commotion. Someone pulled the fire alarm. The firemen came. I'm not really sure what anybody would have done about two alligators fighting because that's not like two dogs fighting and you try and break it up like bellboys gather. I'm Go not stop getting that. <laughs> I'm not getting involved. But the firemen arrived too late. Um, Oscar did not make it. Um, as TexasEscapes.com put it, Old Bill was was game but outmatched by his younger, stronger opponent. It was over in a few minutes. Bill became gumbo and cowboy boots, while Oscar, the interloper with nary a scratch, baked triumphantly in the moonlight. Oh, you just said Oscar yeah. didn't make yeah, it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I meant Bill didn't make oh. it. Sorry. Oh. Bill did not survive. Yeah, the younger Oscar one did make it. the older one. Sorry. So they turned his old ass into gumbo. They did. <laughs> Uh, but actually, they That's were. How he would have wanted to go. Nobody really wanted to look at Oscar after that, so um, he ended up being banished from the hotel, and he he got relocated to an alligator garden. Oh, good. Um, they just didn't want to the an hotel. animal. Just never they were come like, back. They were like, what the I don't. an alligator garden. Probably what it sounds like. <laughs> closest thing to it's a like zoo a sanctuary. Or, yeah, mm. you know um, that we have an alligator garden just down the Bill. road. Mm-hmm. In 1980, the Manger Hotel was awarded a state historical marker and was from then on the oldest continually operated hotel west of the Mississippi. So, who's haunting the joint? Good question. First off... Definitely old Bill. Old Bill. <laughs> he's, he's the worst ghost there. He's, yeah. Um, so, Sally, of course, she's the most famous ghost at the hotel, the most well-known ghost, and she makes a lot of the ghost stories of San Antonio. Um, another guest... Um, has reported an apparition dressed in buckskin with gray pants. Let me guess. Do we know who this is? No. Okay, never mind. But, well, but you had a guess? Well. You're going to save it for another guess? Yes. Okay, let's see if, I, if we say it. Okay, so um, the apparition apparently asked the guests, are you going to stay or are you going to go? And he asked them that three times before he vanished. Now, this man was taking a bath. I'm go. He was taking a bath, and he was getting out he's like saw this man standing in his room and this man um said he saw like what looked like a live person not like 
a see-through ghost. Like, he thought a legit man in old-timey clothing was just standing in his room. He's butt-ass naked from the bathtub, and this guy's repeating, are you going to stay or are you going to go? Yeah. <laughs> so, the man was so freaked out, so he ran sure, downstairs. His penis went right up his body. That's scary. It doesn't happen. It happens. Let me think it. <laughs> You're free to think it. It's not like a turtle. <laughs> Um, so Ernesto Malacaro was one of the longtime managers of um, the Manger. Um, so this guy reported to Ernesto what had happened. And Ernesto had a working relationship with multiple psychics because multiple psychics were coming in the hotel and telling them about the stories and stuff like that. So he called his two friend psychics who he invited to come investigate the strange occurrence. Wait, I'm sorry. Are you saying psychics or sidekicks? Psychics. Okay. Sounded like you were saying he had multiple sidekicks. Psychics. Okay. Continue. Uh, They reported back that this man was from the early days of the Civil War, and he was in deep discussion with somebody about their allegiance in the war. And Texas is kind of weird when it comes to the Civil War. Um, It's a little bit of a sidebar here, but... Texans are pretty diehard Texans, first and foremost. But Texans are diehard Texans. But I'm saying, like, we are, like, first and foremost Texans and then Americans. You know what I'm saying? I like, gotcha. when you travel to other countries, you tell people, like, I'm from Texas. They're not, like, you know, when they're like, where are you from? I'm from Texas. You don't say, I'm from the U.S. You say you're from Texas. I feel like even, like, people in Wisconsin say I'm from Wisconsin. I doubt it. Do we know where Wisconsin is? I'm from it? Wisconsin, eh? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't doesn't roll off the tongue. No, be like, where's that? They'll just say U.S. Um, okay, somebody from Wisconsin, please uh, shoot us an email at hauntedrepod at gmail dot com and let me know if you say where you're from when you travel out of the country. If if you say I'm from America, or you say I'm from Wisconsin. Like, what do you say first? Um, but that's been the spirit here in Texas. Pretty much since we parted ways from Mexico, that you were Texan first and foremost, and then you're an American. Um, and I believe it's pretty heavy that way now, especially if you're born here. Um, loyalty here is very important. And so they believe that this guy was having a conversation with somebody that didn't know where their allegiance was in the war. So are you going to stay here? Are you going to fight? Or are you going to go, like, fight for the Union or go not live in a Confederate state anyway? Um, so other st- other strange sightings are for, come from the kitchen staff. They said that utensils would move around on their own, or it was believed that they've been they were being held by ghosts walking around, um, maybe from former kitchen staff. It just uh, makes me think of Beauty and the Beast with all the plates and <laughs> utensils flying that's around. That's magic. That's different. That whole place was under a spell. My God. Wow. Pull your head out of your ass. Pull your head out of your ass, Lainey. And like we said, many died at the Alamo, which is part of the Manger property today. Confederate soldiers had stayed at the Manger during the time of the Civil War. Um, So many ghosts have been either seen or heard with heavy footsteps from their boots, or some have seen apparitions of wearing old military boots. Um, Some believe that Robert E. Lee, who stayed at the hotel several times, um, that he's one of the ghosts. Or other Confederate soldiers um, possibly are some of the sightings. Uh, It could be any of those, but there were lots of Confederates. There have been a few suicides at the hotel. Not many, but there have been a few. And honestly, it's 160 years old, so it's fair that a couple people chose that. 
So one woman um, jumped from the fourth floor on Blum Street, and there was another suicide also from the fourth floor. I'm not sure which one of those rooms. Maybe it was the same room, but I don't think it was. Um, But in one of those rooms, that room is very haunted. Um, The bathtub fills and empties itself. Lights (laughs) turn on and off. That's convenient. Um, It's not uncommon, though, to hear about manifestations after suicide. I think that is really fascinating. Um, Some people believe that it happens often in suicide because they have trouble moving on to the afterlife and try to continue living on their life in the last place that they were alive. There are curtains that seem to be moving to a breeze when there is no breeze. Um, You can hear footsteps when no one is around going upstairs or down the hallways. Um, Supposedly, when the moon is full, it's when the spirits are the most active. Um, They've had lots of psychics come onto the property that verify, see, hear, or feel the presence of the spirits. And there are definitely spirits at the bar. Um, (sighs) Both alcohol spirits and ghostly spirits. Um, Teddy Roosevelt had some very significant historical moments at this bar, and he did not abandon the bar in the afterlife. Um, He still hangs out there today. Um, That's kind of cool. Is he still recruiting Rough Riders? He's not, and that's funny, but I don't think he recruits anymore (laughs) was the next part of my notes. One man actually had a heart attack at the bar, and as he's like out of breath and and by... No. What? I said when he saw his bill. No. And... um, as he's out of breath and bystanders are standing around him, he said, I think I saw a ghost. And so, like, he had a heart attack because he saw something that wow. supposedly gave him a heart attack. Um, but many guests that come there request a haunted room, um, which would definitely be me, and it would definitely be room 2052, um, which is Richard King's room. That's the King Ranch suite. But according to staff, the ghosts are part of the hotel. They don't try to get rid of the spirits. They've never done like any exorcisms or anything like that. Um, it's all part of the hotel's personality. And thus far, none have been dangerous or tried to harm anybody. So today, the Manger still has the Colonial Room Restaurant and Manger Bar. They're still serving their famous mango ice cream. There are 316 room for get- rooms for guests, which overlook the Alamo, Alamo Plaza, or the pool. They have retained a lot of the original um, furniture or the furniture that's between the 1850s and 1870s, which is primarily Victorian furniture. Um, They have velvet couches, four poster beds, tables with marble tops, and even a lot of the uh, wall coverings is like um, old school, like wallpaper. So if you're ever in San Antonio, you can't go wrong with staying at the Manger Hotel. Stay at my hotel, Hotel Emma. (laughs) Less haunted, it's all about, man, that one's hot gossip right there. It's like we're competing car dealerships. I know. And we make no money or benefit at all, depending on where you say it makes no difference. So anything else, you guys? No, that was fascinating. There's a lot of history there. A lot of history. Yeah, Casey, you haven't spoken as much in this episode. Tell me all of your thoughts. Just let them pour out. How Ashley has psychologically tortured me. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. We, we can go there. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Okay, I'm under strict guidance that I'm never to scare Ashley. Like, I can't jump scare her, whatever. Oh, we're really talking about this. We've been together 18 years now, and so she has free reign to jump out and scare me at any point that she deems worthy. Which I do, like, once a year. And that makes it worse, because it's... Oh, my gosh. It rarely happens. (laughs) one time, I come home, and she's standing behind the door, and she jumps out, scares me, and she's filming it. And then another time, 
within the last year or so, I think, I'm walking through the bedroom. Oh, yeah, that was like a few months ago. Yeah, I'm walking through the bedroom, dark, and I'm just living life, and I'm happy. <laughs> oh, and, my God. And, and I come in and ruin it. And I'm walking, and a hand grabs my ankle <laughs> as I'm walking, and I've never been more frightened in my life. <laughs> and so now... You have no idea how long I was waiting there. Now, and then it got awkward how long I was waiting and crouched by, beside the bed. And I was like, this is getting weird. Every time I walk through a dark room, I'm afraid that she is about to grab me or scare me. And that I'm not joking. Aww. No cap, as the kids say. Yeah. Well, I've been the victim of many of Ashley's torture or since birth. So, okay. <laughs> Do I want to have a therapy session or... I thought we were talking it out right now. She just asked me to say what my thoughts were. Sitting here with a bunch of weenies right now. I have made you both stronger people. (laughs) But I'm not allowed to reciprocate. That's the thing. Uh, Actually, that is not completely true, you lying sack of poo. I get one time, is what you said. Yeah, I said you can scare me one time. So it's my intention to make this the So out of 18 years, how many times do you think I've scared you? Five? No, more than that. Okay, probably not even in the double digits, so I don't think your story is that tragic. It is. The one in the dark is. That's yeah, scary. That that would be very scary. Um, he was just... Do you know what he could do? Turn a light on? I turn a light on? I was living my life. I was just happy <laughs> walking through a dark room. <laughs> now you've turned all dark rooms into scary places. Wow. Okay. I'm sorry, Casey. And I told you that my mom used to be outside scratching my windows at night. So I don't know how you expected me to be as an adult, but, you know. Here we are. Remember that? I was raised this way. That time Jenny was trying to scare me and her long-ass nails went into the roof of my Mm -hmm. mouth. Yep. Yep. I had to suck on ice because they had holes in the roof of my mouth. Yep. Yeah, I know, because she came out karate chopping. She's like, God, you like, what? just, it was slow-mo, because I was standing there watching the whole thing. It just went in what her mouth. What did you make? Scraped her roof. It was probably just a scrape. <laughs> <laughs> Like in the cartoons when something flies in their mouth and it makes that thump. <laughs> we all have experiences, okay? Yeah. Um, so is that it? Do y'all have anything else you want to vent about me and how horrible I am? No. Uh, no. Not today. <laughs> anything nice you wanted to say? You're a delight. I've written a lot of I've written a lot of it out in multiple journals, so I okay. think I'm okay. All right. Get a journal then, Casey. I'm good. <laughs> no. Ashley, you're lovely. Lainey lived with you. me for the first eighteen years. You've had the last eighteen <laughs> years and I'm thirty six now, so You're aging gracefully. Thanks. Wonderful. Um, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much for your patience. Um, as like I've said before, that we're treading water over here and we do this for fun, but ultimately we have to keep our jobs. So um, but if you're ever in the Houston market or looking to purchase, look no further than Jabor Realty Team with Blair Realty Group. We'd love to be a part of your real estate journey. That is just the worst, but they are the best. So <laughs> But my plug is the worst. <laughs> Look no further. We're here. I felt my voice going into car salesman mode, and so I just went with it. You really morphed. Look no further than Jabor Realty Team. Um, Until next time, folks, thanks for listening. Have a good day. And thank you, Casey, for being here. Thanks, Casey. I don't think you mean that, but you're welcome. You're not welcome back. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs)